welcome to a special NL full time. It's a midweek special because we've had a full round of midweek fixtures in the National League with some surprises as well. So we're bringing you all that over the next start of uh, just under an hour or so, all being well. I'm Luke Edwards. Thank you for joining me. We've given Dickie a well-earned rest off. He's gone to see Coldplay. Hopefully they perform better than his beloved Telford did. More on that later on. Uh, joining us, as always, we've got Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. And I'd just like to say I've arranged Coldplay for Sunday when there's no football on. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and also joining us, we have... Uh, the Oldershot Town captain and he's a podcast rival now, I think. He's got his uh, podcast <laughs> called Leave No Doubt. It is Joe Partington. Hello, Joe. Hi, guys. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure I'm a rival. Not yet. I'm not, not as big as you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll soon see that when, he, when he's stepping up at the Football Content Awards, getting his, uh, his trophy, and we have to like, politely clap. We'll soon see. <laughs> well, that's been... That'd be nice, but I'm not sure that's that'll be happen. good because we might be there as well again, Luke, like we were last year, and then the beers will be on Joe, so that's all good. And well, uh, they've yeah. just they've just announced that he's in God's own city, Manchester, this year as well. So there we go. It's, it's a short, no re- short trip. You get no reaction from these southerners, oh, Luke. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't like going up north. So, uh, Brill, <laughs> yeah, it, the big game, and we um, we sort of circled it in Sunday's podcast was Chesterfield against Wrexham. The big test for Paul Cook's side against a Wrexham side who were coming off the back of a 1-1 draw at Yeovil. And Chesterfield, by all accounts, played them off the park. The Wrexham Twitter went into meltdown after. There was a lot of people calling for Phil Parkinson's head. And Rob, we've said about he'll be under pressure early on, and he is now. Yeah, he is. They've dropped five points out of their first eight. And if you're Wrexham... With that level of investment, that level of expectation, um, that's not the start you're looking for. Um, it's nothing that a couple of back-to-back wins won't quieten down. But um, the interesting aspect of it for me, and I want to ask Joe about that as well, is, is Chesterfield. Um, we got to look at them firsthand. Um, Joe, you were playing against them at the weekend and the shots went down narrowly 1-0 in that game. But I think what Chesterfield did last night by beating, you know, the, the champions elect, as everyone's calling them, Wrexham 2-0, I think they've said to people, no, we are in, we are going to be in the title race, not just a playoff race this year. Um, what's your own thoughts really on Chesterfield, particularly having played against them on Saturday? I mean, every year Chesterfield are expected to, to compete, aren't they, at the top end of the table? And I don't think this, this year is going to be any different than that, really. They, I think they had a wobble last year, uh, in terms of they obviously were flying high and and Fiktish uh, Manga obviously coincided with his injury and and whatever and they they sort of fell away, um, but then uh, again had a really good playoffs uh, campaign, were only beaten just narrowly by Solihull. They're just a you know what we we actually performed well on Saturday uh, against Chesterfield. We, we made life difficult for them, but with the home support that they've got and, and, you know, they've got players in their team that can really make the difference in, in those, in those moments or in those tight, tight games. Um, you know, they're going to be very difficult to beat, especially at home. And like you say, with Wrexham, it's, they're, it's so difficult, isn't it? Playing the, playing the, um, the role of being the team that everybody thinks is going to be the champions because everybody, you know, it, it shouldn't happen, but you're everybody's, Wants to wants cut to final every week, so, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I mean, Chesterfield, will, I can imagine, be really chuffed with six points over the, the Saturday Tuesday fixtures, especially two home games. Um, and they're well supported, so I can imagine the supporters are you know excited about what's what's to come. I know Dan, who who listens to this podcast a lot, he's a Wrexham fan, he was on our Twitter spaces the other week. He thinks it is too early. I mean, he did actually say he, he thought Phil Parkinson could be the first to go because of the pressure that. They'll be put under, but equally, he thinks that maybe fans are overreacting in, in its early stages. I think the thing that's going against Phil Parkinson is he's had a full season now, but it's not like he's just come in um, and they spent again in the summer, haven't they? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, in the, in the latter stages of last season, um, they came so close, obviously, to winning the league with Stockport just sort of pipping them to, towards the end. But the, I think the biggest, from, from obviously having an interest in the league, once it had finished, those playoffs, I don't know, everybody expected Wrexham to go and to go and win those playoffs. And obviously when Grimsby beat them, it was a shock. 
everybody expected Wrexham to be, you know, the, the Bromley team that I was involved in in the FA, FA Trophy. And then when they didn't, it was a shock. Um, so it's tough. It's tough that they're, they're always expected to win. That They've got a huge fan base. I mean, there was however many supporters at Wembley in that FA Trophy game and 90% of them really were, were Wrexham fans. So uh, they're everybody's big ticket, really. And, and that comes with a lot of pressure, no matter how much money they're giving their players. Top of the league, actually, now. Uh, Barnet, they won 2-1 at Yeovil. And a bit of a surprise, but what a what a good start Dean Brennan's had, Rob. And, and a lot of people wrote Barnet off, myself included. And he, he had a decent start to life at Barnet, Dean Brennan. Got made permanent manager. They really dropped off at the end of the season. But they, they've bounced back again, haven't they? Yeah, and he's managed long enough at this level to now, now to know what's needed. And uh, interestingly, looking at uh, the comings and goings at Barnet, he kind of kept 10 players. I think he's added 11 or, or 12. And there's some good signings in there. Obviously, Laurie Walker, we had at Aldershot on loan last year, um, is pretty solid in the sticks. Um, he's brought in centre-backs that, that played in, in, in uh, sides that um, you know struggled, but good players, Danny Collins and, and Jerome Akimo. Um, Dale Gorman's come over from Yeovil, Harry Pritchard, Nicky Kabamba, who's hit the ground running. Ben Winter, who, let's be honest, was picked for England C last year from, from, from Torquay. Musa Diara's been there, Sean Shields, Michael Phillips, Jamal Loza. That's not a bad list of players coming in at Barnet. And, you know, you're right. A few people have written them off. Um, I did closely consider whether I, they might be troubled at the wrong end of the table. And I dismissed it and I didn't put them in my bottom four in the predictions. Momentum's an awful lot in football. Um, and, and look, you could say over the course of the season, everybody plays the same amount of games, but a good start to the season can 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 sometimes make a world of difference, can't it, Joe? Absolutely. I mean, for for whatever reason, obviously, there's a huge amount of pressure on the start of the season. People look at the first four or five games, and if you go through those four or five games without really picking up many points, then, the, you know, you're, you're always chasing winning games whereas you know Barnet have put themselves in a really nice position where they're, they're probably not under any pressure now people think you know people probably fear them a little bit more than, than what they would have been three games ago um, and they've probably got loads of confidence enough to go into games thinking they can get results which only comes really with with winning games so fair, fair play to them for the start that they've had and Rob talking of Nicky Kabamba we've mentioned there three and three got the two goals against Yeovil He's, he's sort of a streaky striker, isn't he? He's one he'll go on a run, then he won't score for ages, then he'll pick it up again. And for Barnett and for Dean Brennan, I'm sure they'll be hoping that he can kind of book that trend and, and score regularly this season. Yeah, he's a lovely lad. He probably just wants to be at the right club at the right time and just smash the goals in. I, I, I have a little spreadsheet that Luke knows I keep. I'm just telling Joe here of the comings and goings of players and always got a little note or two on him because obviously I commentate week in, week out. And the little note I've got about Nicky Kabamba to add to what's already in here, 16 clubs in 11 years for Nicky Kabamba. Um, you know, I think his, his, his biggest break, am I right in thinking without sort of looking it up, did it, all, did, he, did, he, did it not quite happen for him, but he got to Portsmouth, didn't he, Joe? Yeah, he was at Portsmouth. I think him and Jamal Lowe were, um, were there a similar time. They've, I think they both signed, obviously, from that National League South and, Mm. Um, for whatever reason, Jamal Lowe ended up, you know, really kicking on and Kabamba, you know, fell short a, a little bit. But, you know, I've played against him a few times. He is capable of, of, of playing really well. And, and obviously he's got an eye for goal, which which he started off uh, very well. You know, credit where it's due. You can only do what you can do. And he scored three, three goals in three games, which is which is pretty impressive. Yeah, we're recording this on, on the Wednesday. So as yet, Sully Homores haven't taken on York. If Sully Homores do win tonight, they will go top on goal difference. Uh, a team who had a really good win as well on Tuesday evening were Wheelstone away at Oldham. Now, I was talking about Wrexham's Twitter going into meltdown. Oldham's were a little bit as well. Um, a first defeat for them in the National League. Really good result for Wheelstone. Speaking to a couple of the Oldham podcast boys afterwards and they said how impressed they've been at Darkin and Wheelstone playing and Wheelstone were a really, really good side. They were 2-0 up at halftime. Ben Tollett pulled a goal back but ultimately Oldham couldn't force a draw. And what a result that is for Stuart Maynard, Rob. And they've started off really well, Wheelstone. Yeah, and, and an unusual situation in just the space of a few days for Oldham, who probably were a little bit flattered to be 3-0 up against Dorkin on the weekend in front of the TV cameras. It was kind of the other way 
um, round. I, I exchanged messages last night with Chris Woods, who's the media manager at Wealdstone and, and the former uh, media manager at Aldershot. And, and I just said to him, oh, what a pair of results that was. And he said, you know what? We were unplayable in the first half, should have been out of sight. So um, obviously they, they sort of probably were just hanging on a little bit at the end. But what a start. I think Wealdstone just love their niche. They love that they're one of only a couple of part-time teams now in the National League. And they love it. Every pundit, <laughs> including some of us, that stand up and go, no, Wealdstone, they'll be bottom four. They love it. It just fuels them. Doesn't it, Joe? I mean, they they, um, they are in a niche, aren't they? They're one of two stroke three, you know, fully part-time sides in the National League. And, and, and therefore, they're building a squad from the best players available in part-time. Yeah, absolutely. They're, you know, the last couple of years, actually, I've, I've actually always admired Woodstone a little bit because they are expected, you know, that the perception of a part-time club is is that they might, you know, be beatable for for many other teams in this league, but they're not, and and they have a, you know, they have a really certain way of playing. They, you know, they play good football. Um, they stick to those principles. Um, you know, when you play against Wildstone, you're going to have to do a lot of defending because you know they've got technically gifted players. They've got, you know, they're well supported. Obviously, like you, you turn up at the stadium sometimes, and I'm sure um, some of the big some of the big teams with a lot of support could, might be underwhelmed when they when they turn up at Wildstone, but. They're a good team, um, and they're going to surprise a lot of people. I think this year, you know, as sort of we're hoping to do to do similar. Um, but going to Oldham and, and winning away is, you know, is a, is a massive result. I know you worked for BBC Surrey, Rob. It's, it was a good night for them on Tuesday. We'll get onto Darkin shortly, and of course, Alder shot as well. I know you're dying to talk about that. But Woking are in third. They handed Scunthorpe back to back defeats, and we said about it was a massive win for Darren Sarr on Saturday, and they've backed that up, haven't they? Yeah, um, they, they 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 had a poor start in the first game. They lost and and they lost a little bit limply, I think. And that wasn't the mantra that was coming from Darren Saal and from Woking about how this season was going to be. So they needed a response, and back to back two nil home wins is exactly the response that that they needed. Uh, it was a double, I think, for Kyron Lofthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you're if you're a Woking fan and you only go to the home games, then uh, the season's looking pretty good right now, isn't it? <laughs> Six points out of nine, um, just a point off the top of the league, uh, and a really good start for Woking over the three games. And Scunthorpe, Joe, newly promoted side. We say it's um, always an eye opener for them, especially going to away games. I think subconsciously, do you think the players turn up and think we're much better than these, and maybe don't go into it with the right attitude? I'm not. I'm not too sure. You know, I, I, I think as as a club, um, the perception sometimes might be that the that this league is easier than what it what it can be. I know that you know Scunthorpe, for example, have, have signed in the summer one of my you know old good mates um, Andrew Boyce, who's who's in, sort of like a national league defender who's who's played a lot of games at this level. So he he won't certainly know you know be turning up and expecting just just to win every game. Um, but we've seen it with Southend, seen it with, with Notts County. Um, seen it with Chesterfield a lot of the clubs that come down really struggle um, and so it might you know it might take a little bit of a, of time for Oldham and, and Scunthorpe to really adjust to the level and um, to to realise how, how difficult it is really So the other big result of the night was one I know Rob's been dying to talk about um, which is why we're doing this midweek pod as well because he said we are doing a midweek pod because Aldershot <laughs> went to Bournemouth and Rob they got the three points yeah, they got the they got the three points. It was quite dramatic in the end. Uh, for a lot of the game, it wasn't. To be fair, um, I, I think as Joe will you know alluded to earlier, and 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 I'm sure we'll will um, be happy to talk about. You know, Bournemouth are a good side, and they've been at the top end of this league for a lot of seasons. And Luke Garrard, he always keeps a certain amount of good amount of continuity, and then he signs well. And this year, he's kind of signed some of the best players. And the best strikers from from the National League North and one or two others, um, and I think he's trying to evolve the team. Um, and for that reason, I think there's also a little bit of pressure growing at Bournemouth. Yeah, we know you can do the kind of keep it tight, make it hard to get beaten. You know, keep a clean sheet and nick one somewhere. They do that very very well, but they're trying to evolve to be a little bit more on the front foot. Um, and and to be fair, they, they, they kind of created quite a few chances, but their shooting was off on the night and, and Aldershot defended very, very well across the pitch. 
Um, and they nicked the first goal. It was a good goal. Inia Fiong held it up and Justin Amaluzor, he, uh, he had a strike and uh, a little deflection, I think, off, off Will Evans and went in. Um, in truth, sort of coming to you, Joe, sort of breaking the game down into a couple of halves, you got ahead, didn't you? But it wasn't easy after that. And almost from the minute that the shot scored, Boreham would kind of control the rest of that half and, and look dangerous, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, and you're right. They have signed They have signed good players, uh, Boreham Wood, this summer. That, you know, another ex-teammate of mine, Jack Payne, has gone there and he's and he's really technically gifted. Um, they've, they've got the lad, Brunt, from... Um, Sheffield United. Sheffield United, who's, who's a really gifted player. Um, and then, you know, across the rest of the team, they've got guys who can handle the ball. And, and yeah, we, we managed, obviously, to get ourselves in front last night and, and we did well to do so, but... And after then, yeah, we we you know we we succumb to a lot of pressure and um, and a lot of teams go to Bournemouth and you know and and roll over and and get punished and you know for whatever reason last night we didn't manage to to see that first half out and tweaked a couple of bits and you know felt much more comfortable actually in in the second half even though we were still under a bit of pressure of course especially towards the end of the game but. Um, it's a massive result for us, you know, because, yeah, you're right, Boreham Wood will be up there coming into the season. I've always admired Luke Garrard and um, and what he does with his teams in, in the National League. And um, I'll be interested to, to see how many teams come into the season win at Boreham Wood. And I don't think there'll be many teams who do. Rob, do you think it's with all the... Do you think they're still struggling to find the right balance? He's brought in a lot of new signings, hasn't he, over the summer, including uh, players from divisions below? Well, I think he alluded to in his pre-match chat before yesterday that um, he's running with a slightly bigger squad, not a huge squad, but a slightly bigger squad. And, and the competition for places is immense. And, and I think in the build-up to the Aldershot game, Luke Garrard had, and I'm only, semi, I'm only um, estimating who the players were, but I would imagine the likes of Tyrone Marsh, Josh Reese, one or two others actually knocking on the door and saying, I want in, I want to play. So he's... He's got to balance a lot of things, really. There's a, a higher expectation. There's this kind of desire, not a need, but this desire for Borenwood to to show that they can win games a different way. Uh, and he's trying to blood in new players as well. Um, I just think it was a really, really together and cohesive, a unified performance from Aldershot, which would have really, um, really given the, 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 the fans heart uh, last night. Um, just completing the story. Um, Aldershot much, much more in the game um, in the second half and um, got the second goal. Josh McCoyd, who um, has been at Aldershot before in a spell that didn't really go that well, um, he looks, you know, this version of him looks more like the one that Mark Molsey's trusted and persevered with, you know, in uh, in, in previous management roles. Um, and he let fly with a blistering strike and as it actually smashed back off the post, in the moment, I was thinking, oh, it's a typical order shot. They could have gone 2-0 up. But the ball came out into play. And Ryan Glover, who also, by the way, version two of Ryan Glover is a lot more impressive than the one that was carrying injury last year. He followed it up and smashed it in. And uh, that must have been a, a, a brilliant moment, Joe, celebrating in front of the Shots fans as you got the um, cushion of that second goal. It was good, mate. Yeah, it was. It was nice. It's a massive sense of relief, I guess, for us because... We're just so desperate, you, you know, talked about early season and, and wanting to get points on the board as soon as possible to relieve pressure. And with the with the first five fixtures that that we've got, you know, we, we knew we were under pressure from the get-go, really, to, to pick points up. And um, so to be able to go, obviously, to Bournemouth and do that was was great. But to score a second goal, does it gives you a little bit of a cushion. And celebrating that goal with the supporters was nice because, let's, let's face it, as of yet, you know, I know we're only three games in, but they've not had much to to be desperately excited about. Um, I know yeah, we performed well at Chesterfield, but we didn't give him a goal to celebrate and, and we didn't give him any points to go home to. So I think that was a nice moment when you've got a new team and, and a lot of new players that come the end of the game, um, especially at a place like Boreham Wood, where you can get so close to supporters um, that they're celebrating and they're happy. And obviously they can they can see that it means a lot to us players. And I think results like that for new teams, and you know, there's a lot of new teams trying to, trying to find their way already. Um, wins are massive and, you know, everybody can now turn up to training tomorrow and, and be in a much better place and supporters have, you know, have a much better feeling towards the team than, than what they would have had on Tuesday morning. 
And Rob, I know you caught up with uh, with Justin Amalusa, didn't you? Yeah, I managed to catch up with him. In fact, I met him for the first time last night, and uh, he's a real, you know, he's he got a quiet, unassuming chap. But uh, he got his first opportunity to start a game for all the shot competitively on Tuesday night, and uh, he got that first goal. And I caught up with him after the game. Justin, your first start, and you really made it count tonight, didn't you? Uh, you got that vital first goal. If you don't shoot, you don't score. Um, and uh, the boys saw it through for the win. Yeah. I'm delighted to be off the mark. It was a gritty performance. I'm happy to score. It was, as you say, if you don't score, if you don't shoot, you don't score. And Inni just played it back to me. First time outside the foot, quiet on target. Three deflections and it went in. But um, just more important to get the three points off the mark. First win of the season. Just delighted for me and the boys, yeah. And uh, good value for it, double the lead in the second half. Terrific shot from Josh McCoy. And just as you were thinking, that's unlucky. Ryan Glover followed it up and stuck it in the net. Uh, and it was a special moment celebrating in front of the fans there. Oh, yeah, what a moment. Because um, the fans, you could tell they were very passionate. So just that moment there, meant, I know it meant a lot to them. It certainly meant a lot to me and the boys. And yeah, the thing about it, we got great depth. Like Ryan Glover didn't start today. So you come off the bench full of energy, you've got his goal. We've got a very good team there and very good fans as well. I'm just delighted. Delighted for that moment, as you say, yeah. Nice one. Um, what have you made of, of, of the National League so far? You've played at this level before. Um, and, and what are your own targets for this season? Um, I played in this league not too long ago, three, four years ago. I was a bit younger. And back then, I kind of found it, I won't say easier, but I found it like I was just playing free. But now I'm obviously more mature, so... You know what I mean? I'm more mature, so I have to think about what I do. I should say on a pitch that like, I can't just go around running off like a headless mm. chicken. There's more of a I'm more mature as a player. Mm. But yeah, I do. I do think it's a good league. It's a very competitive league. Anyone could beat anyone. I think Bournemouth were up there last season. Right there, they were up there. Mm. And today we just grind out a result, and anyone could beat anyone. I'm, I like. I like the league. It's a very competitive league, as I say. Yeah. What I really noticed about the team tonight, um, you're obviously going to come under a fair bit of pressure from Borenwood, but for, for, for long periods when you had the ball, you kept the ball really well. It was little gives and goes and, you know, sometimes in quite tight spaces as well. There's a couple of times you were galloping down the line. There was not much room to play with, but you got vital touches in uh, and a bit of pace to burn as well to get away from them. <laughs> yeah. One thing uh, that attracted me to, to this team is the, the gaffer, Mark. Gaffer, I should call him. Because <laughs> um, his style of football, he like he really he persists on playing football when you have to. Like, and he he really tells you to go out there and with conf- play with confidence and don't be scared to get on the football. And when that's when that's injected through the team, you see the some of the stuff we played out there. It was very good. And just a quick look ahead to Saturday. I want you to. Uh, I'm sure the shots fans will want you to enjoy this uh, victory at uh, Borehamwood. But Bromley will come to town and and and. One thing that's evident about the National League these days is so competitive and you can't ever look at a run of two or three games and think, well, that's an easier run, can you? You just can't. No, you, de- you definitely can't. But we do fancy ourselves um, after our first win. I'm going to go out there and give 100% like every other game. We don't care if it's Bromley, if it's top of the league, bottom of the league. We don't, we don't care. We're just going to give it our all. And uh, one player that in competitive action, Aldershot Town, haven't seen yet, but he'll have been training with you is... Uh, uh, is Franny yeah. and uh, his suspension's finally over so he's another one that'll be raring to go when he gets his opportunity yeah yeah um, Franny's a very close friend of mine he's a very talented player as well very talented player so when he when he does come back the depth the squad depth's going to be incredible but yeah he's a very good player so the fans should be excited for him and uh, take that word from me yeah another team who were, maybe we need to or two teams we need to chat about who haven't hit the heights of last season Halifax and Dagenham and Redbridge. Halifax drew nil-nil at Southend. I suppose they could say it was a clean sheet and they've got something out of the game. And also Dagenham, they drew 1-1 away at one of Joe's old clubs. Eastley, there's a lot of pressure on Daryl McMahon. Um, I think the Halifax-Southend one's a funny one. Southend will be happy to go up to Halifax and get a point. Halifax will be frustrated that they haven't got off the mark in terms of wins, but that they haven't conceded and they've got a point. For Dagenham, it seems like a completely different story, doesn't it? Dagenham are always a good team in this league as well. They're, they're obviously expected to do very well. And uh, up until I think it was basically the last kick of the game last night at Eastleigh, obviously they they looked like they were going to win the game. And that's um, that's sort of how this league goes sometimes. It's very difficult to, to win. And they have signed good players. 
Um, you know, as the manager's uh, uh, got his own way of playing as well. And and last season, actually, Dagenham, Dagenham towards the end of the, the year, really went on a run of, of winning quite a lot of games. And and you are thought that they might have just snuck into that to those playoffs. Um, and if they had that form that they had at the end of last season, middle of this season, they you know they'd have been there or thereabouts. They'd have been right up there. So um, I know that they're going to want to start the season as you know as well as possible. And people expect them to do well. So. They're another one of those sides that people, you know, might up their game for or or certainly not up their game, but certainly know they're in for a game. So um, I think, they'll, you know, they'll be disappointed with, with conceding late on. And your old side, Eastley, as well, started off OK. One win, one draw and one loss as well. Yeah, Eastley, you know, the, the guys at the club are so desperate to succeed. Um, there's a lot of good people there. The manager's a, um, a great guy as well. And um, I know that obviously from his previous role with Haven and then obviously moving to Crawley as an assistant. Now going back to Eastley as manager, he's he's desperate to succeed and they're another club who've had a massive turnover of players as well. They've you know they've they've got quite a lot a lot of new signings and it's difficult like last minute winners, um sorry, last last minute goals, even obviously that was to equalise, but those those moments really sort of knit a group together. So um I'm sure like they'll they'll have been walking in the changing room feeling you know, much better off with a point than what Dagenham were. Um, you know, I've got always got an eye for Eastley. I, I hope they do well. Um, just a yeah. quick question on on their recruitment, Joe. Um, just in yeah. terms of what you see from afar, um, you, you see a few patterns. I know, for example, you know, perhaps yourself and one or two other more experienced players, Josh McCoy, aside this season, Mark Mosley wanted to bring in players that were still quite young but that have got experience at this level. So. Example, Tyler Cordner, still quite young, 23, 2400 games nationally. When I looked at uh, the incomings at um, Eastleigh, almost every single one, and they've managed to get from the Football League, players that have that, that are perhaps not quite established at their clubs in the Football League. Um, and that's an interesting approach that I haven't particularly seen before, apart from maybe you know, at the other end with Wrexham going in and getting two, three or four League One players because they could sort of thing. But. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have no idea, obviously, what their budget is, but I, I can't imagine these guys that they're bringing in are going to be on peanuts. So they'll be under pressure, you know, to to succeed this year. Obviously, if they're spending a lot of money, they're recruiting a lot of players, obviously, if, who've played at a higher level. I mean, they're, a couple of years ago, Eastie's, you know, obviously having been there, we signed a lot of young guys that were desperate to succeed and to move on up the leagues. And I think that's what this, this league is a lot of really now. There's, there's a load of talented young players. Um, and for the Football League, really, you were looking for players who've had experience, players who are capable of, of moving on again if they sign them and do well. This is the league really where they're coming to for those players. Um, and easily a couple of years ago, we had that, you know, we, we had uh, a guy called Ben House moved on to Lincoln, Joe Tomlinson moved on to Peterborough, Rob Atkinson moved on to Oxford and then moved on again to to Bristol City. So, you know, they've obviously changed um the recruitment and, and the way they want to go. They obviously want success now instead of instead of creating, I guess, players for for other clubs to come and buy. Um so I'm interested to to see how they do really. So in fit in the other playoff places we have got Notts County and Maidenhead, different fortunes for their Maidenhead had what sounds like a comfortable victory over Altrincham by two goals to nil. Notts County needed a last-minute Louis Story own goal to rescue a point at Gateshead. And just going through Twitter, um, it's a bit of a mixed reaction, really. Some are saying well, it's a hard-fought point. Some are saying it's a disaster. A new manager gone in there, Rob. They are in the playoff places, but it kind of feels a bit like the same old story for them a little bit, dropping silly points to teams who have been nearly promoted. Yeah, I mean, obviously, didn't didn't see the games. What I did see, I did see Luke Williams' post-match interview. I try and watch as many of them as I can, and I've still got a few to watch from last night. But um, it was a tough interview with uh, the BBC Nottingham um, correspondent, and uh, you know, in which there's a lot of inference about the fact that yet again, Notts County are trying to play out from the back, and they and 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 they're getting pressed out of it, and 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 at the moment they're not good enough. But he was quite um, quite stubborn in his reply, actually, Luke Williams. He said, "Would well, you think that we're going to just 
you know, go, oh, it hasn't worked too well in a couple of games, we'll just abandon it. No, we're going to keep working at it and, and, and keep practising at it and get better at it. And, uh, um, yeah, ultimately, it won't be deemed good enough a point in that game for them. But, um, yeah, it's the old adage in it, there's a long way to go. The caveat to that, Rob, though, is, it, is it's the old Einstein quote, isn't it? The method of madness is or insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting results. And, Joe, I, I'll ask you this as a player then. Uh, if you're a player and the manager's saying we're going to keep sticking at it, but in your head secretly thinking this isn't working, do you say something to the manager or do you just have to go along with it and hope it works? I know that that's happened in the past that, you know, in in with other guys that I know in football have, have discussed that they've had conversations with managers where they say, look, we don't feel comfortable doing this, but I'm almost certain that Notts County as a football club have a certain way of playing and even obviously when the previous manager was there, they, they never changed. Um, sometimes I could just off the top of my head, I remember they went to Torquay last year and got beat 4-0. Um, and then teams can go to, to Notts County and, and and they can absolutely spank them quite easily given mm-hmm. given the way that they play. I think that probably what they found last night is especially with, with teams like Gateshead and and Dorking and, uh, you know, and, and the guys that have come up playing a certain style and have a, a lot of success doing it, Gateshead being promoted, don't get promoted if you don't win a lot of games. So they've obviously got the feeling, that winning feeling that, you know, they're comfortable in, in the system that they play. I'm sure they're obviously recruited to support that. But those teams are actually, you, you know, everybody expects teams that have been promoted just to get beat by everyone. And, and that's sometimes not the case. And that's County going to, to Gateshead and expecting, I guess, just to turn up and to be able to pass the ball around under no pressure uh, isn't, isn't going to happen. Um, they are a, a ball-playing football team. And, and they're a team that obviously everybody's going to have to to be on their game to to beat. So great great result for Gateshead. Also a great result for for Dark in a really entertaining game against fellow National League South promotion. Uh, what are we going to call them? A promotion team. They went up together, didn't they? So Maidstone. It finished Maidstone two, Dark in four, and a really entertaining game as the two games were last season in the National League South. James McShane got two goals for Dark in, Jack Barham and Patterson for Maidstone. Christy Patterson got it to 2 2. So at 2 2, Mark White then took off James McShane and brought on Ryan Seeger, and he got two goals to see them home in the end and great substitutions from Mark White. And that's a big thing about Darkin, Rob, isn't it? Even though they're nearly promoted, they have got strength in depth. The fact you can take off someone like James McShay, who's got your two goals, and bring on someone like Ryan Seeger, who's going to get your goals as well, means they're in a good place. Well, I think they're very relaxed about this season. That's evident when you talk to Mark White. Um, Believe it or not, Three games in, they're the top scorers in the National League. They've managed two goals in each of the first two games and then four last night. Um, and Mark feels they'll actually grow better and stronger into the season. One or two bodies out, key bodies, you know, like uh, Fuller and obviously um, Briggs, who, you know, if he comes back anything like he was, is a very, very good player. Uh, the funny thing about this is, um, I, as you know, Luke, I do keep in a little bit of touch with uh, Mark White and we'd had an exchange at the weekend after Dawkins had been a bit unlucky to um, to lose to Oldham. And I said, you know what, though, Mark, I think you're going to be involved in a few three twos this season. And last night, as the 90 minute mark was there, they, they were three two up. And I, I said, so I said to him last night, you've, you've got you're going to ruin my prediction by winning four two. I said you'd be involved in three twos. Um, they're not going to fear anyone, Joe, are they? They come up, they're a bit of a breath of fresh air, aren't they, Dorking in the National League? They are, yeah. I mean, um, everybody's probably seen the, you know, the clips online and the YouTube and, and all that, obviously yeah. covering the team. And, and they come across very well. I think, you know, the manager's got a bit of David Brent about him, but he, he comes across well. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're, they're, again, they've got a certain style, a certain way of playing that's, that's going to make it difficult for people. Um, I think they, you know, they went to South End, was it last year, and and beat them in the FA Cup. So, you know, they're they're another team that that have come up not not just to make the numbers. They're they're going to hope to you know to rustle a few feathers, and and so far, they, you know, they've managed to do that. And the other, the final result of the night was Joe's old side Tarky travelling to Bromley. They lost by a goal to nil. Louis Ooh. Dennis scoring at twenty minutes from time, and Tarky, another funny one, Joe, who's. Going to be one of our regulars on the pod this year. He's a Torquay fan. I said I didn't think 
again, they may be in and around the top 10. He's confident that they may well push for playoffs. How, how do you see Torquay going, Joe? It's a difficult one with, with Torquay because I think the, the year before last when they got beat in the playoff final, they were they were terrific. They were they were a really, really good team in the league. Arguably one of the best. I know obviously they got beat in the playoff final, which suggests they were, but I remember when we played against them twice and and they were brilliant. I think they won the first like eleven games or something and, and they were fantastic. And then last season off maybe a bit of a hangover of, of not being promoted, they you know, they really struggled at the start and, and start to pick up towards the end. But Torquay are another club that, that sort of recruit a lot of young players um, and turn them turn them into players ultimately that other teams want. Um, losing um, a couple of the you know the best players off the top of my head, I can't remember the name, but it, you know one of them's obviously gone to Forest Green, one of them's gone to Stockport, um, defender and, and the number ten. So Whitfield, really, yeah, Whitfield, yeah, they, yeah, that's them. They're, they're going to be really difficult to replace because because they were massive players for them. So. You know, I'm interested to see how Torquay do. They're usually a good team at this level, but, you know, until you get a few games into the season, you know, 10 or so games in, you're never really too sure where how people are going to go. Sorry, before I get shouted at by Joe, Whitfield went the summer before. It's Lemon Hay Evans who's gone. Yeah, that's um, it. What about your old side then, Bromley, Joe? Um, they got that vital 1-0 against Torquay and that's that's got them off and running for the season now, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're a similar position to us, really. I know that they obviously had a draw on the weekend, um, but before that, being beat at Wildstone was was a game they, you know, would have would have expected to win. Um, and again, you know, the Bromley are, are expected to do well. I think that FA Trophy is obviously obviously that win is as given everybody a level of expectancy that they're they're hoping to turn up this this year and being in around the playoffs again. You know, we fell short um, whilst I was there last year, but um, they've had a lot of turnover in players again. You know, a lot of us, you, you know, left. Um, and they've, they've signed quite a lot of new players so that might take him a little bit of time to, to bed in but the manager has a, has a clear message of, of how he wants to play and they're going to be really difficult to play against really difficult to beat they've got um, a, a great defensive shape three three guys who play at the back in, in Chris Bush Byron Webster and, and Omar Shomi who, who were honestly massive absolute giants so um, it'll take you know if you get a result at Bromley or against Bromley it's you know you've done very well to beat them Quick question for you. Obviously, Bromley will go to the EBB on Saturday. It won't be the first time you'll have lined up against one of your former clubs. How do you approach it, Joe? You're an experienced player now. Do you try and genuinely treat it like any other other game? And 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 if you do, is is that hard? <laughs> uh, not really, uh, Rob. No, it's 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 not too hard. I mean, obviously, I've I've still got some friends who who are at Bromley, Byron Webster. You know, I pick him out the most. We we spent. A lot of time with each other last year. Still very close now. Speak to each other daily. So it's it, it'd be good to see him. Not necessarily a, a strange feeling. Um, mm. Would it? Does it matter more to me than any other game? Not not really. Um, I, I think obviously there'd have been more pressure on us. Uh, I, I'd argue if we hadn't got a result on Tuesday. But I think you know we now we have had a result on Tuesday at Bournemouth as as a team as a club all the shot we you know we're really excited for it as a player I'm I'm really excited for it and you know it'd be nice to see people but uh, to be honest it you know the that I used to be there's almost irrelevant really is it one of these you'll turn your phone off on friday now so he's not contacting you is that it no i'm not you know i'm old enough now to to know to not give away any secrets on on the team and you know and i've, and I've been in enough uh team talks for for Bromley as well I, you know i know that They'll be, you know, the manager will tell will tell the lads, don't don't tell parts what's going on, don't don't tell him the team, don't tell him what we're doing, um, and likewise <laughs> the other way round. Really, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure my manager, you know, Moles at, at Aldershot will will ask me to to politely not speak to any of them before the game. So, you know, I chat I chat away to him afterwards, um, regardless uh, of result. But yeah, there's it's don't get me wrong, it's not top secret stuff, but it's just uh, there's an unwritten rule that that you keep stuff to yourself. So we're going to look at the National League North and I'm, we've given Dickie the, the week off, as we mentioned. So stepping into the breach is Tom Feeney. Hiya, Tom. Hello, mate. I'm not too bad, mate. And can I just say I've got big shoes to fill? So we're going to look at the top and 100% record for, for Kings Lynn, Tom. And I know they stayed full-time. They have kept a lot of the, the squad there. I, I had doubts over whether how well they do this season, but they certainly started off well. And one of the players that kept his gold on a toyo and he was on the score sheet as they beat Brackley. Yeah, and it's a really good win for them as well. I think that was the big thing here was 
kind of the way that they've been able to go about the business during the last few months, just a lot of continuity regarding kind of going into pre-season, you know, last season obviously didn't go the way they wanted it to, but they made that managerial change and you've got a manager who gets a new contract extended deal. He's been able to get the players in that he wanted, but the main thing is he's been able to keep the players he wanted as well. And yeah, not a massive surprise for me that they've had a decent start, but, you know, being a team like Brackley, obviously they're one of them sides that are always there or thereabouts. So it's a bit of a marker for them. Yeah, in second place, they nearly promoted Banbury. They could only draw nil-nil at home with Boston. It's a welcome point for Boston, but Banbury started really well, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting one because what, you know, when you're looking at kind of form and stats, it is that thing that normally the teams that go up, they've got that bit of momentum about them. And, you know, with how impressive they were last season in, in gaining the promotion, there were a lot of questions asked about just what would happen for them. But yeah, it has been an amazing start for them. And, you know, Boston United, you know, it's been a horrible start so far, hasn't it? Because they're another team who have invested a lot after what happened last season, being so close to gaining promotion. I think a lot thought they'd start a lot better than they have, but for them, that could turn out to be a decent point on the travels. Yeah, I was going to say quickly, what, what do you think the issue's been at Boston this year so far? Well, I mean, you know, you look at it, Paul Cox has been able to get the players in that he wanted. They didn't particularly have a bad pre-season. And I think a lot of, you know, speaking to one or two people that, you know, follow Boston, it, it's been a bit of a shock. Just that opening game, obviously, was, you know, a disaster for how long until they got a few goals right at the end to make it look a bit more respectable. But yeah, it's been a bad start, but... Again, it, it is that thing of, you know, after three games in the season, it isn't over by any stretch of the imagination. But for Boston, obviously, they know they've got to start improving and, and improving quickly as well. Yeah, just behind them is uh, a Fylde and Gloucester. Uh, Gloucester in third. They're on six points. They've won both the home games so far. I know Joe knows Lee Mansell really well. And somebody start the season in hot form as well is is somebody Rob knows well, Matt McClure. He's got four in two games. Now he got another double as as Gloucester saw off Peter Brisport. Yeah, you know, Matt McClure just, he is at that level, what a player he is. And obviously when he was brought in to Gloucester, it was deemed a really big signing. And obviously the amount of goals that he's been able to score during the last few years, it was maybe a little bit of a surprise they were able to keep him because, you know, when a player is that good in, in front of goal, a lot of teams are obviously just keeping an eye on him and seeing what would happen, but keeping him fit, you know, wrapping him in cotton wool, I think that might be the best way to do it because they really need to make sure that he's fit and firing because if he can be for the whole season, you know, they've got a decent chance of finishing a lot higher than they did last season. He's found a lot of consistency now, Matt McClure, that was that was probably missing for a few years at the, at the higher level. And Gary Waddock, who's a good judge of a player, he really, really believed in Matt McClure. And I do remember the first season McClure was at Aldershot. And I, I kid you not, about six of his first 50 chances went in. Um, he smashed the bar. It was cleared off the line. You know, he missed the target. Uh, something always happened to him. But where I've got Matt McClure in my head is the master of the one-touch finish. If you could just appear in front of goal and deflect a ball into the goal, that he's the man for that. Um, Joe, I don't know if you've come across Matt McClure at all in, in your time, and no, but I you certainly know uh, the Gloucester manager, don't you, Lee Mansell? I don't really do know, know too much about Matt, to, to be honest, Rob. But uh, yeah, mm. I mean, Mance was always a, a great professional in, in the Rovers changing room that I shared with him. He's he's had a great career, especially sort of like League One, League Two. Uh, National League level, loads, loads of appearances, promotions, been captain of most of the teams that he's that he's been in, and and you know I know he's desperate to to succeed with Gloucester. The last, I think last year obviously was his first bite of of being a manager, and he had definitely learned a lot from that. So yeah, I'm I'm obviously wishing him a lot of success this year. Um, Gloucester's not too far up north as well, so if they do do well, then it's not far for us to travel. <laughs> is he is he somebody who you look at and think, yeah, I can see him being a manager? Uh, yeah, 
without a doubt, he was he was sort of one of the wiser heads in in the changing room that I shared with him. He was obviously coming to the latter stages of of his career and wasn't necessarily in the team all the time, but had still a massive influence on the changing room and and the group. Um, he always had an eye for coaching. He obviously went straight into coaching at Rovers um, after he stopped playing, and and probably through those experiences uh, experiences started to build his own perception of how he he would have a team be you know play and. You know, it's like when you're a manager, you've got perception of probably what it's like. And then last season, he he probably shaped his ideas a little bit differently. And and this season might have a you know a new way of of going about stuff. So yeah, fingers crossed that he does well. Fourth and fifth, similar records. Tom Southport and Fylde both got back to winning ways after losing on Saturday. Yeah, and you know, I think for Fylde it was a, a really good win because the conditions at Farsley weren't great at all, and kind of in the belting rain for them just to kind of get it over the line and really drag it over the line. And for Southport, you know, I think any team that beats Darlington this season, that is a good result for them. And it's kind of just one moment of de- decent quality in the game for them where they were able to get that goal. But I think Southport are a team that have impressed me the way that kind of they last season, when they could see what they were building, they started giving out contracts and, that can that can always be a bit of a danger when you're giving long-term deals to players. But it seems like, you know, obviously Liam Watson knows the division. He knows how to get a team up and, you know, they've put their trust in him and it looks like it's rightly so. Yeah, Buxton took on Leamington. That was a fixture I picked out in our podcast over the weekend because you know you're really in the National League North when you face a team like Leamington because they become so hard to beat. Buxton drew 1-1 with them, which probably wasn't wouldn't be a bad result really i mean Buxton have started off the season well we know the squad they've got as well um but for them to get a result against lemington is a decent point yeah definitely you know i think with, with lemington they're one of them teams where people that don't know the national league north you know you see every year they go oh lemington will get relegated bottom of the league and year in year out they get results they've got you know a manager who in paul holleran who you know, he can get results out of any player because they lose so many players every season through players being poached to, you know, teams higher up. But he always replaces them. And, you know, I know they got that really good win to start the season against Farsley. And, you know, it's it's a good point away from home. I know it was a late goal by Buxton, but it's not a bad point for Leamington. Yeah, look at two teams that you know well further down the table, Scarborough, against Bradford Park Avenue. There was drama at the Flamingo and Stadium. Well, like Scarborough was going to be beaten at home for the first time since November, but a player you know well came in and rescued the day for them. Yeah, you know, absolutely incredible match and kind of the way that it just looked like Park Avenue were going to see it out, the 2-0 up, going into added time and Dom Tier gets one and you could sense maybe, you know, a little bit jittery at the back. One or two things happened and then, all of a sudden, tears there again, and it's two all. And you know, I think the home form for Scarborough, with their pitch and with you know the the backing that they have as well, that's going to be really, really important this season. And kind of to keep that unbeaten run going since back then, you know, can only be a good thing for Jonathan Greening's side. Yeah, Kidderminster started the season a bit slowly as well, haven't they, Tom? Um, they had a nil nil against Leamington on Saturday, which Russ Penn said wasn't the worst result. I don't think he'd have been too happy the fact that they've lost at home to Curzon Ashton. No, you know, and I, th- I think that's the thing when you heard what Russ said on Saturday, it was kind of, well, if we get four points from these two games, that isn't a problem. All of a sudden, it's one point from those. And, you know, a really disappointing result for them, obviously with the expectations that are there. But I think, again, with Curzon, certain people have written them off and kind of gone, you know, but when you look at that group of players, you know, they've been able to get some decent acquisitions in. And I think what they have got as well is obviously that confidence from last season, how well it was going at a point. They ran out of steam at the end. But if they can start that momentum again, you know, they've got a decent chance to definitely be fighting for, you know, somewhere around mid-table, upper mid-table rather than anywhere near the bottom. So two teams who have played three, drawn three, are Spennymore and Alfreton. Are you a bit surprised at that? I mean, they met each other on Tuesday, drew nil-nil. Are you a bit surprised that neither of them have got a wing yet? A little bit, yes. You know, I would say with Alfreton, obviously, kind of the attack line that they've got and, you know, getting Tom Denton back was 
really the big one for Billy Heath. He was someone that they've been trying to get back for, for so long. But, you know, for Spennymore, it was interesting. They've The players they've been able to get in, and you're looking at pre-season, obviously, you know, it wasn't a great pre-season for them in terms of results. But with Johnson and Morley, they said that they'd be hard to beat. They have been hard to beat. But obviously, you look at, you know, the likes of Glenn Taylor, likes a few lists, they've got goals in them. And I think that'll be the frustration for them is that they've just not been able to get, you know, one win out of three, I think they'd have taken from them opening three games. Well, I drew 1-1 at Charlie. It was Graham Fenton's first game as manager since he was appointed. And he's the first Blythe manager to get a result in his opening game since Alan Armstrong back in 2016. And it's been a strange one. Terry Mitchell went after the first game, Tom, but Fenton's not a bad appointment and he's got off to a good start. No, and, you know, that's a good sign of things to come for them because, you know, what was interesting with this was obviously Fenton left South Shields under circumstances which, you know, I think everyone would say were harsh and considering how the season went for South Shields, you know, a lot would say it was incorrect decision to let him go. But he goes back to a club that he knows so well with a, a group of players that, you know, he'll be able to get to know in time. But in terms of putting a marker down, that's not a bad way to do it. You know, a really good point away from home. And again, for Blythe last season was very disappointing. Up to, you know, Alan Armstrong leaving, they've had some disappointments since he's gone, but they'll be hoping that things can slowly turn around a little bit now. Yeah, Chester and Hereford, they met at the Diva Stadium. It was Louis Haynes who put through his own net on Saturday as they lost at Scarborough. He found the net at the right end on Tuesday evening as they took all three points away from Chester. And as I mentioned, Dickey managed to avoid Ket- the trip to Kettering. I think you'll be glad about that. They went down by two goals to nil. So Kettering, Telford, Chester, Hereford and Scarborough are all on four points. Tom, thanks for joining us. No worries at all, mate. If I can do it, you can do it. Get support to start the fight back to a healthier you. Download the free Couch to 5K app now. Better health. Let's do this. We'll move on now and look at the National League South. So in the National League South, Ebsfleet, they've got a 100% record. They had to come from behind to win at Eastbourne Borough. Always a tough task. Eastbourne Borough did really well, as we knew, last season. It was Leon Gravata who gave Eastbourne the lead on 31 minutes. Dominic Polion equalised on 39. Alex Winter, a new signing. He's coming at Eastbourne Borough. He restored the lead on 52. But ultimately, Ebsfleet's full-time fitness told they got two goals in the last 10 minutes Chris Solly and Luke O'Neill scoring there before they had Christian and Gessen sent off in the fifth minute of stoppage time the other big game in the south was between Dartford and Haven and Waterlooville Jason Pryor he opened the scoring there on seven minutes and then the equaliser came from Dartford on the 27th minute from Davide Radare before Oscar Goldburn got the winner on 57. So as you might expect, up at the top, it is Ebsfleet. Dartford are in sixth, having a Waterloo move up to third with that win. With a surprise early season runner in second, we'll come on to them very shortly. But Rob, Ebsfleet, Dartford, having a Waterloo, all strong sides and basically having an Ebsfleet showed their strength on Tuesday, didn't they? I'll just touch on Ebsfleet and let Joe talk about the other two. But, yeah, um, cool. Ebsfleet got to the got to the playoff final, were seconds away from winning it. Obviously, we know what then happened with the late equaliser for Dorking. Um, and all eyes would have been on Ebsfleet at the start of this season. You know, they, they, they've, they've got a very, very good squad. The manager's now, what, into his third or fourth year managing in this country, managing at this level. And um, they've begun very, very strongly. And um, I think one or two of us, I think two out of the four of us on the on the podcast team have predicted Ebsfleet to win the league. And let's put it this way, there's nothing yet to suggest that they won't. It's very, very early days. But congratulations to Ebsfleet, the only team in all three national leagues to have a 100% record. Joe, um, they've almost Joe? got, they've almost got yes, a national league squads um, there, haven't they, Ebsfleet, already playing a division below? Yeah, yeah, it's not too far, and 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 expectations, as I say, will be high there, and they'll be high again, won't they, Joe? At um, Haverton and Waterlooville, where um, really pretty much since uh, does does well went there, the expectations have, have been high. 
absolutely. That I mean, they haven't always recruited pretty well, as you know, under Doswell. They they attract some good players. Prior, obviously, leaving Dorking to to go to Haven is is a massive signing, and his obviously winning goal yesterday is is sort of evidence of the influence that he might be able to have on that team. We actually played them in in pre season, um, and it was you know an unspectacular nil nil draw really, but you could tell that they were that they were going to be good. Um, they're going to be difficult to to beat. <clears throat> Um, and they're going to be a massive threat. They've got, they've got big, you know, big, strong, physical players. A um, couple of really technically gifted guys in there as well. So I think they've got a nice balance, haven't? And, and if you, you know, if you get a result against them this season, then you'd have done well to to do that. Rob, the final argument for haven't going forward is Jason Pye is now going to be serving the suspension after his sending off last Saturday. So that could be something to watch as well. How they'll, how they'll fare without him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be fair, um, what springs to my mind when you say that is um, Dorking managed to crack on without his goals, didn't they, last year? Alfie Rutherford stepped up. So um, they'll find a way. They've got a good squad. And I know you're going to probably come to it in a minute, but two of the other teams, either side of Ebbsfleet and haven't in the table, um, a bit of an eye-opener, aren't they? Worthing, who've come up, and there were some people that tipped them to do well at this level as well. Um and most people's tips to go down, Tunbridge Angels sat fourth with seven points out of nine. Fantastic. Um, under new management there and a difficult shoes to fill. Yeah, after, especially going to Dover, who've started off the season well. It was a Kent derby, but Tunbridge fell behind and ended up winning the game in the end. Jay Saunders doing a really good job there. And also, um, Woke worthy 3-0 win away at Weymouth, as you mentioned. Weymouth, terrible start for them. They got relegated. And sometimes, Joe, that sort of hang... I know, obviously, a lot of the Weymouth team he got relegated aren't there now, but still the hangover around the club can still be there. And you can see that in the start they've made. No wins out of three so far. It definitely can get into a... Let's not forget as well that, obviously, if if COVID, for whatever reason, hadn't happened the year before, they'd have been relegated then as well. So... Really, they've had not just last year, but the year before that of of consistently losing games, and just that sort of losing mentality is, is so difficult to get out of. Even when you drop down a league, and you probably expect to to pick up more results than than what you did the, the previous two leagues, um, two years at a higher level. It's just that it's just so difficult to get out of that slump of of not being able to see see games through and and get points. So, and I, I think you know on on evidence of the first three games, I think you're going to find it very difficult. Concord and Dulwich have started off the season well there in the playoff places as well. It was Dan Smith who opened the scoring for Dulwich away at Concord, but the Evergreen, Ricky Modest, equalised there. Rob Farnborough, a good win for them over fellow fellow, fellow newly promoted team, Taunton. It was a goal there from um, Omar Rowe who got the goal for them there. So um, I know you you know people at Farnborough well and, and they'll be glad to uh, have got a win. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a couple of miles down the road from Aldershot. I've got family that used to be involved with the club. And obviously, uh, I used to work with uh, Simon Gardner, who's the chairman at Farmer these days as well, and in a previous uh, job. Um, they've gone down one nil on the first day. In the second game, they've got themselves a point. And in the third game, they've got a win. And uh, all things considered, four points from the first uh, three games is a is a decent, solid start for, for Farnborough. Um it was interesting. I thought they might do quite well at this level, looking at their squad, looking at the players they've got. Tom Lang, who's obviously uh, you know occasional member of this of this podcast team, who's uh, watching National League South football at Hampton and Richmond week in week out. He he thinks that um, you know they, that they might struggle, that they've got quite an old side, um, but uh, with age comes something else, doesn't it, Joe? Experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they do say that. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what experience looks and feels like, but you know, the older you get, you do get a little bit more of it. Yeah, talking of a player at the other end of the age spectrum, Simeon Jackson, he got the opener for Chelmsford at Slough before Devonte Aransabia got a second there to push Cheltenham up towards the playoff places. And also Braintree, they started off the season well, they won three one at home against Hemel Hempstead. A couple of goals there. For Aaron Blair, Hampton and Richmond Borough, they drew 1-1 at home to Bath. And then Welling, they managed to get a win to ease the pressure on Warren Feeney. They beat a newly promoted side, Chess Hunt. It was Hyde and Aziz with the goal there. 
uh, before Liebherd got a goal. Rowan Liebherd got a goal back for Chesson. So Albers and Hungerford, they drew nil-nil as well. Two teams that have struggled to get going so far in the National League South. So as I mentioned at the start, Joe, you, you have got a podcast out. Just tell us a bit more about it. Thank you. Yeah, so it's, I mean, the podcast is called Leave No Doubt. Um, and it's sort of on behalf of a company called ePerform who've created a website basically for, for players to go to for information that will improve their football. And my podcast is is going to sit alongside that platform really and, and be real life versions of, of what what people can go through. Um, we've had some, obviously, some really elite guys on there. Um, Jack Wiltshire was was one of them. Andre Ayew's Ghana's captain. He, he's another guy that we've spoken to. And Adam Webster is... Um, sort of an ex-old shot low knee, but he's performing very well now for Brighton in the Premier League and it just really dives into to their experiences, um, you know, positives, negatives, um, their opinions and, and more importantly, their advice really on, um, so is there any information that we speak about in, in each podcast can help other guys improve their own football, really. Brill, well, thanks for joining us, Joe. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, pleasure as always. And Joe, thanks very much for, for coming on, particularly on your day off. No, I appreciate it, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's also the same on Instagram. We'll be back at the weekend. We'll see you all soon.